0: Om Mangalam Guru Devaya Devi Matrikcha Mangalam Mangalam Bhakta brindevyo Sarva Lokaya Mangalam Om Kaya Chadamasya Sarva Dadamasarupine Avatar Varishtaya Ram Krishnaya Mangalam So tonight <coughs> I want to we're celebrating this year all through the world the hundred and fiftieth anniversary of Swami Vivekananda's birth advent. Actually, it ends this. Uh, as far as when Swami Chaitanya is here, he spoke mostly on on Swamiji. And actually, in India, there's I mean thousands of programs. There's tens of thousands of people. So many things are going on the whole year.
1: So uh-huh. website,
0: they have speaking yes, yes. So many programs. All the centers are doing something. And so one of the things that the uh, uh, I was asked to do from the uh, in, uh, Ramakrishna Mission runs a magazine called they run several journals one is Prabhuda Bharata, it's an English journal started by Swami Vivekananda himself and so we were asked to do an article on Kali and Swami Vivekananda and the worship of Kali in the West and that's a tricky article to write because Swami Vivekananda never mentioned Kali in the West for the most part right? and did not overtly worship Kali in the West. So to write an article, uh, Swami ideas about Kali worship, specifically in the West. That right? was not easy, right? But anyway, so we uh, uh, in a certain sense, we consider ourselves to be an example of Swami Vivekananda's vision of Kali worship in the West. So we want to read a little bit of background. that could be our, not exactly following the article, but based upon some of those ideas, we, bring, we can discuss <coughs> Because in many senses, some of us, most of us here are directly by the influence of Swami Vivekananda or indirectly by the influence of Vivekananda. This temple wouldn't be here, but a lot of us wouldn't be here. Our connections are different, even different gurus and yogis and even yoga in general in America came because of him. He opened the way for so much. His influence, one of the things we can focus on this year is Sama Vivekananda's influence because we don't fully appreciate or notice exactly what a strong influence it had not in, in India that a huge influence, that we can see but even an influence in the West and all over the world one time I was asked, I was speaking, I think Asami Kananda was with me we were at the Ramakrishna Mission Ashram in Allahabad we were spoke, speaking to some youth, a youth camp program the, almost every year we go there and one of the boys, is we were talk, I was talking about Vivekananda his message and the, like this and he says, and one boy asked It seems that, I mean, who he asks is like, you mentioned all the things Swami Vivekananda did, but like, does anybody know him in the West? (laughs) Right? That was a question. Do people know Swami Vivekananda? And that's a good question because, practically speaking, most people don't know Swami Vivekananda. Right? Of course, if you're in the Ramakrishna Mission, you go to Vedanta Society, you're like, people know, right? And Hindus and Indian Hindus, they know because it's their cultural, he's a cultural hero. They know that he was the first to come. So I thought actually that his name may not be mentioned. Of course, it's not forgotten, but it's not it's not a common uh, what's the word? Uh, It's not very. I mean, he's not publicly household. household, Thank you. He's not a household name, right? Right. But but yoga is a household name, right? Guru is a household name. Avatar is a household name. Right. Ideas of Advaita are a household Also, well, Also, a, a big one, oh, Kirtan is a household name. Ayurveda is a household name. Mantra. Mantra. All these things have influenced uh, 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 Western society. But he, all the, Of course, these words, but even but these big ideas. And another big idea is, the, I'm, we, we, we mentioned this before, that there was a uh, some, maybe five, six years ago, there was a, uh, um, uh, a poll done. To uh, standard American Christians, these are like evangelical, just basic uh, schools of cr- different mainstream Christians in America. And the poll, the question was, Do you believe that one can attain salvation? Non-Hindus, non-Christians can attain salvation. That's the question, right? Whether the you, you, uh, non-Hindus can attain non. Sorry, it's question, now the better question: Can non-Hindus attain salvation? <laughs> it's, another, it's another website. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, whether non Christians can take salvation, attain salvation, and about seventy percent said yes, right? So the Christian clergy became. They said, "Well, this is obviously that's not true, right? Because we're not teaching them that, right? And the Bible doesn't teach that. They're not learning that in churches. This is not the teachings of Christianity, right? So you must have asked a question. That's not what people believe. That's not what Christians believe, right? So you have to ask. You asked the question incorrectly. It was too big. So they make, then they re-release another survey it was uh, another poll, fi- uh, uh, focusing the question, very exact. Do you I mean uh, maybe the way I just worded. Do you believe that like, people who are not don't believe, haven't accepted Jesus as personal Lord or whatever the definition of Christianity, such people can still attain salvation ultimately, and still it went it went down but only a little bit, 65, 68, something like I forget the full details, but I'm I'm not exaggerating. It's roughly that from what I remember. Right. So the question, and and so those ministers are right. The Bible doesn't say that, right? Their churches don't teach that, and the ministers aren't teaching that. Yet most Americans accept it, right? They accept it in spite of their religion. Amber, what's that very famous, he's on TV, very famous, very uh, positive thinking minister? Yes, uh, yes, uh, what's his name? Joel, he's one of the biggest mega-church preachers, right? You've seen him, he has, he's in sta- football stadiums, hearing him speak three times a day, extremely popular. And uh, general, he mostly like positive power, positive thinking more than uh, anything. But I saw him interviewed, so he's like the number one one of the number one spokespersons for Christianity in a certain sense, right? I saw him interviewed maybe on Larry King or one of those type of shows. And, and, the, pers- and, the, and the interviewer asked him, do you believe that you have to... That uh, you have to be born again Christian to attain salvation. So he says, "Well, we believe that that's what the Bible teaches us." That was his answer, a very, uh, very specific answer. He didn't say, "I believe that," because because he's a Bible believing Christian. The Bible says that, so that's what he has to teach. He's a minister of the Bible of the of the gospel. The gospel says that. But then then who the interviewer asked the more specifically the question, right? But like, uh, are there there's good people in the rest of the world that aren't Christians? Right. Do you believe they're going, they're going to hell? And he says, well, I don't want to judge. Right? He says, very careful. He <laughs> says, I went, to, I went to India with my father on a mission, and I saw those people also love God. Only God knows, only Jesus knows who's saved, not saved. That I can't say. Right? So the very careful answer. Right? He says, I saw those people, they also love God. Right? Those people who don't believe in the teachings of uh, a different God, different different Savior, different book, Right, so even so even even if you poke at some of the biggest names, the biggest preachers, they don't really even though they're they're teaching against what their own religion seems to say, right? So that's they're not getting from the Bible, they not getting from from the churches. Where are they getting this idea? Right, that's permeated. That maybe not directly. They may maybe most people, those 70% of the people, are saying that 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 other religions, people can attain salvation, whatever the religion, right? Uh. uh they're not maybe quoting Swami Vivekananda or Sri Amma Krishna, right? But that's influence, the, 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 the Swami, Swami's ideas have permeated society. They've influenced society, right? The, the way we described it is like a, like a yeast in bread. It's uh, leaven in bread, right? What it does, it, it it's, it rises the whole society, it raises everything, right? So, while well, it doesn't like, you know, some Vivekananda's uh, ideas didn't, like, o- overnight, like, make, uh, hell into heaven, right? But slowly, it does influence all society. So where did th- so, so where did like this one idea that all religions, uh, are potentially true? He didn't say all religions. I mean, I generally say all religions are true. What does that mean, right? If a religion says um, only this religion is true, you can't say well that religion is also true. That's a logical contradiction. So it's not that all religion, but all religions have truth, and those who are sincere following any path can find God. Right. Where did Sri get Vivekananda get these ideas? He got those from his Guru, Sri Ramakrishna, right? He worded Sri Ramakrishna's realizations and teachings in a way appropriate for his audience. Right. And that slowly spread all throughout the world. So then the question is, where did Sri Ramakrishna get these ideas? (laughs) that's <laughs> another question, right? Now we can sometimes say, sometimes we say, I mean, not sometimes we do say, you know, all, you know, we want all religions to be true, right? And we want, we don't, we don't want to live in this exclusive world and sectarian world and this type of, where we're limited by our beliefs and based on hatred and separation and all those things that come, that have plagued the world, all these years since the advent of religion, almost, right? uh, But we don't want those due to, not necessarily from our own experience. Right, we don't believe we want to believe that all religions are true or potentially true. Not from our experience, right? They're, they're from our political stance, from our emotional stance, our reactionary stance against culture and religion like this, right? But Sriyama, when Sri Krishna would make statements like all different, all different paths, different uh, uh, religions are different paths to God. What's that line? Tato. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's many ways, so many paths, as many minds, so many paths, right? He didn't say it out of open-mindedness.
1: Giotto. Giotto, there, I think, Giotto Giotto Mato. Mato. I
0: have it written in my notes, I so haven't looked at them down yet. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. He didn't say it out of a modern open-mindedness, like we would say, or out of a political stance, like we would say, right? He said it from his own personal experience, yeah. right? So what was his personal spirit to be an So, so this comes from wh- who we believe the devotees of Sri Ramakrishna believe he is. We believe he is an avatar. That there was during particular in the Gita, it says that whenever dharma declines and adharma arises, God embodies Himself, right, Absor- uh, uh, embracing His own Maya. He takes birth, right, in every age, yuge yuge, right. Um. And this Krishna statement, uh. uh so this is the idea of the avatar in Christianity. We have the idea of one avatar, God incarnates to save mankind. But if incarnate once, why not many times? Right? Uh, because Dharma has not only declined once. right? The same Dharma declines and again rises and declines and again rises. And so at the time of, of Lord Rama, there was a particular cause by the, uh, the birth of a great demon and tyrant. At the time of Lord Krishna, there was a particular cause. Uh, time of Narushinga and Varaha and Vamana, each avatar came to uh, uh, save Dharma and to uh, uh, help the devotees and destroy the wicked, right? Destroy the demonic. So we can think, and many the devotees of Sri Ramakrishna, they look back and you see this is what happened. There's a time we are in also a dark time, or we were in a dark and we're still in a dark time, just look at the news, right? Uh, uh. But we were, there was a period of time that started. Uh, 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 or was coming to a head at the, around the time of Sri Ramakrishna's advent right and in India especially because in Sri Ramakrishna believed India was the spiritual heart of the world right when he started he called the Ramakrishna mission right so what's a mission Missionary, not exactly missionaries like we would think of a mission They had a, what's the mission right? To, to uplift the entire world by uplifting India he said India is a heart and when the heart's healthy the whole body becomes healthy Right, so that, that if India loses its spirituality, the whole world has nothing will have nothing. right So his, his real goal I can't I mean it's very difficult to say Swami Vivekananda's his real goal. I'm assuming from his writings and lectures and, and, and from his disciples statements right uh, uh, carefully uh, that that, that his, his ultimate mission was to r- to raise India and then thus ra- raising India thus save the world, thus spread spirituality of the world right. But what was so? What was the the problem in India? Uh, was many, many, many years of hundreds of years of of uh, of uh, domination and con and being conquered, right? Uh, we all know, you know, most of us know some of the history of of India, right? So the different countries that have and and, and, and uh, that have destroyed much of the Vedic culture, Vedic knowledge, Vedic traditions, Vedic temples, like this. And the latest in that long line was the British, right? And um, uh, uh, and when the British and other colonizing nations had spread to other parts of the world, one of the things that helped them what what are the what are the the, sometimes you had a small a few sometimes literally a few boats of people, a few boats, right? Uh, Were able to conquer whole kingdoms. Right In a certain sense, that's what happened in India also, really. The percentage of, of, of British compared to the Indian population was, I forget how many, you know, it was <laughs> a tiny amount of people controlled, hun- uh, millions of people, right? So that's what Gandhi's great call, he says that, you know, how many pe- how many people in India during Gandhi's time? Um, less than
1: 300 million.
0: So 300 million. He says 300 million people cannot be controlled by 10,000 people unless they l- let themselves be controlled. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so that's his civil disobedience. Says if, if 300 million people s- no longer accept being controlled, the British have no control. Because that's called civil disobedience, right? <laughs> right. They simply refuse to play along anymore, right? So, uh, but so, but in the past, in the colonizing, uh, the colonizers, the way they influence society, a few men with horses and arm- armor and swords can control, can c- can overcome whole kingdoms. They had help. What was the help? Smallpox and various diseases that came, right, that, that weakened the, the the host country, right, and therefore conquering was fairly simple. So, in we in our own meditation for the article, we were thinking, what was it that, because I mean, the British did not exactly spread disease in India, but they did spread a disease, and I believe that disease was was is Western materialism, right? That entered India, right, and the time of Sri Ramakrishna's advent. Especially the seat of the British power was Bengal, Calcutta, right? And Calcutta is was the source and still the source of of so much culture, of politics, of philosophy, of art, of language, of uh, religion, right? It's uh, incredible uh, 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 where it, many things come from Bengal, you know, as Bengal goes, the rest of India goes, and so in Bengal it was becoming from. Uh, 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 Extremely influenced by West by Western culture, and by the preaching not only not, not only the the general philosophy of Western materialism, but then very strange, but in, in service of Western materialism was Christian missionaries, right? Uh, and what their message was is the reason you people need to be are were so easily conquered. That I'm oversimplifying because there's many causes. Indian history can't be summarized in so simply. People who know more, but. Uh, for our for our discussion i'm describing it this way uh, uh, the one of the, what the, the reason you we've been you've been so easily conquered and need to be conquered is you're weak, and the reason you're weak is you have foolish beliefs your religion has made you weak just see uh, a, f- a few a few thousand of us could could take you over right due to our superior culture right and so different people reacted some accepted it, some accepted the position of being weak. look how weak we are others said no we shall accept their Uh, The youth, much of the youth was converting like this. And then others reacted to it in different ways, right? Like at the time of of Sri Ramakrishna, uh, a very important reaction was the movement of the Brahma Samaj and the Arya Samaj, these various institutions. Like the Arya Samaj, uh, uh, your, your family's Arya Samaj, Arya Samaj, the leadership, Dayan and Sadaswati, their reaction was just to reject Christianity outright, outright. But the criticism that they, that the Christians were making against Hindus, they still he still accepted, right? And they said, "Oh, you guys are, are worshiping idols." So he went back. Yes, the Vedas don't have idols. So we won't we won't worship idols. Only the fire, right? Like he purified almost like a almost like a, a, a Protestant Reformation, purified the later Vedic ideas, removed all these things, right? So that was one reaction. And then uh, the Brahma Samaj, this is Rabindranath Tagore's father, Devendranath Tagore, and Raja Ramakrishna, there were several important people in early Bengal history, that part of the history. Their reaction was different. Their reaction is said, "No, no, you're, no, no. Our religion really is just like your religion, yeah. right? They accept. They made rather than rejecting Christianity, they made Hinduism Christian, yeah. right? So when like one of their big important people, uh." uh, uh, uh of, Keshav Chandra Sen, right, uh, who was very much influenced by Sri Krishna, and was almost the guru of the youth of that time, including Vivekananda. Um, when he died, he was his obituary was was put in all the Christian newspapers as one of their great ministers, Christian minister, the ministers of the gospel, one of the greatest ministers of the gospel to the Hindus had died, so they considered him a Christian minister. Even though at the end he was saying kali 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 when he died, right? This is also by the influence of Sri Ramakrishna, <laughs> right? <clears throat> this will be important as we get to discuss this, you know, right? So that was another reaction, right? That our religion is just really no, uh, no, we won't, we won't, we also won't worship images. We won't uh, follow a lot of these family traditions and cultural traditions. We will purify it and, and we'll, ha- we'll have a pure uh, westernized form of Hinduism right, uh, uh, what with Sri, Ramak- Sri Ramakrishna gave them a lot of respect, actually, they called them Brahma right, like Vedantas, they are no, but, but they weren't exactly no as a Brahmin, but they were that orientation, uh, and very, so they believe that God, with qualities, without form, right, so he has qualities like infinite, all loving, all powerful, creator, like that, but he has no form, he has no rupa, right, guna, but no rupa, so like Christianity is guna, no rupa, Islam, guna, no rupa, right, Right. Pure Vedanta is no guna and no rupa, Right, form without qualities, without form without name. So they had this kind of a hybrid form uh, based on Christian ideas. So Sri Ramakrishna was born in, uh, 60 miles outside of Calcutta. And if you think, if you've been, even now, if you go there, now it's changing, Calcutta's caught up, even to Kamapukur and Jambati. But even, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, it's, uh, Calcutta was not yet there, (laughs) right? Which means that the 20th century was not yet there. He was living in true village India, with beyond the scope, beyond the scope of influence of Western, of the company, what they called the company, it was the British government at that time, right? Uh, uh, uh. So he grew up in the old India, the old traditional village India, to a very high caste, uh, very strict Brahmin family, very holy Family, uh, and m- m- most people here know Sri Ramakrishna had very unusual birth, right? And beautiful, unusual childhood full of miraculous uh, uh, events and visions. Also, uh, even as a young boy, he had went into uh, states like samadhi. Uh, even just without any religious spiritual practice, he would go by by the influence of beauty, by the influence of thinking of God, by the beauty of nature. By the emotional fervor of people around him, he'd go into an ecstatic state, even as a child. But then, eventually, do his father passed away, and his family was made very poor, and his brother, his older brother, went to Calcutta to teach Sanskrit and open up a school and to do puja, the Brahmin, you know, Brahmin's work, right? And so he called for his younger brother, Ramakrishna. And so Ramakrishna then moved to Calcutta. That was a huge difference. Now he's in the middle uh, from villages. Uh, not a 60 miles, a thousand miles, it seemed to be, 60 miles to Kolkata, right? And then, uh, by the grace of the Divine Mother, uh, uh, Rani Rasmani had a vision. Uh, on The night before going to, supposed um, to leave to Banaras on a huge pilgrimage, she, Rani Rasmani, uh, Rani Rasmani, she was uh, very rich, we've told her so before, extremely wealthy, and a uh, uh, powerful uh, uh, woman of Calcutta of the time, and very pious, and was about to go to, Cal- go to Manaras, and she had a vision of the Divine Mother Kali saying, don't go, to Cal- don't, don't, don't go to Manaras, I want you instead to install my image on the bank of the Ganga, right, and establish my image. And so the long story we've read before, but eventually she built the Dakshin temple. It like, was found to use that money, and she built at a huge expense, Took many years to find the the, the property, to prepare the property, to build the temple, right? But then there was a problem that she was from a fisher caste. She was a fisherman's family. She was married to a very rich man, and that man died, and she was left the heiress of a huge fortune and a huge uh, industry. But um, and so the problem then, because amongst the high at that time, this is even now. It's now it's changed a lot, but 150, 160, and 70 years ago. Calcutta was a seed of orthodoxy in, in many ways, right? And so these, the Brahmins were saying, nobody, nobody will do puja at this temple. No Brahmin will do puja at this temple. And if they do puja at this temple, nobody will take the prasadam. Because this is, this is uh, food of a uh, of a fisherwoman. Right? It doesn't make sense now for us to think this way, but but... Uh, especially in America doesn't no wait to think, we'll take food from anybody without thinking, right? <laughs> right, but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but even independent of, of, of caste consciousness, we don't even care who touches our food even, whether or not they're clean, right? <laughs> they wash their hands even, you know. You go to restaurants and the people are eating, then they come and serve you food, you know, we have no consciousness of this, but that wasn't the case of his time, right? And so no no Brahmin, so that was, so millions, equivalent of millions of rupees have been spent, millions of dollars are spent almost. Right, and it came to a time where it was time to install the deity, and and no Brahmin would accept the job of a the priest there, uh, uh, and, they, and and if they did, nobody would take food. That could be a huge catastrophe. That nobody would take the prashadam. Right. Uh, so she sent out letters to all the famous uh, Sanskrit scholars, trying to get some advice, some some declaration. Went to the equivalent of the Supreme Court. You get a, a people, you know, find out uh, like that and sri ramakrishna's brother ramkumar uh, my brain is fried today ramkumar i think so ramkumar i think ramkumar his brother he sent a letter he sent a response based on the scriptures that he said there's no problem if uh, the temple should be put in the guru's name The guru was a brahmin now expired already right and therefore the property is owned by the guru not by not by rani although she's a uh, 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 patron, right, and therefore that uh, the Brahmins can do puja there and and anybody, Sadhus and Brahmins and everybody could take the prasad, And so she was thrilled. So she doubled the effort to finish the temple on time. Divine Mother appeared to her in a dream, immediately, install me as soon as possible. So then uh, 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 when it was time for her installation, then there was no, they had a letter, but still no priest was bold enough. You know, those priests didn't accept it. What if people would, what if they started doing puja and their family would be outcasted? What if they couldn't marry their children? These type of things are reality of the time, right? Uh-uh. So she asked, she begged Ram Kumar himself to come and do the installation. So he and so he almost he had his reputation. He wrote, he wrote and signed the, dec- the decision, right? If he didn't do the puja, then means he wouldn't trust his own words. In which case, he'd lose his reputation as a scholar and a pundit like this, right? So he accepted, and Sri Ramakrishna was present at that day. What's interesting, Sri Ramakrishna himself wouldn't take the food from the temple. His brother in, in, worshipped Ma, and, but that prasadam Sri Ramakrishna wouldn't eat. Because he was very, he was raised in a was his father would have never done this, right? So it was arranged to give him some food outside by the bank of the Ganga, he cooked some I'm I not remember he cooked some food, equivalent to kitchen or something and took for several days he was there, he wouldn't take the food from the temple. Yeah. right But it's interesting over time his, his, his brother became the head priest and then he began to hire he tried to hire other priests, but nobody would join right for the same complicated caste reasons, right. So he began to hire his own family, his cousins, his uh, nephews like this, right. And so finally he was convinced that Sri Ramakrishna would also he was slowly, slowly he saw and became trust trust and he accepted and he began to do himself do puja at the Radha Krishna temple first. Then he was moved to the temple of Kali. Right but Sri Ramakrishna wasn't a normal person, as we know, right? And if you know his childhood he was very extreme and he was very sincere. And so, so what you do, we do puja. He learned all the things, he was properly initiated, all the things we do in Puja, he did those things, right? Uh, Om Vishnu, Om Vishnu, Vishnu, Om Vishnu—all those things, right? But he, but he was thinking: are these things real, right? And then we feed Ma, right? But is she real? Not only is like Ma in general real, but like the statue of Ma, right? Why are we waving lights and, and holding water up and, and cooking food and wiggling fingers and sprinkling things? Is it what is—is is it real, right? And so he, maybe I—that's a good place to read something. Let's see. <coughs> I'll, read, I'll, I'll read a little bit from the uh, Sri Ramakrishna Lila Prashan, translated by Swami Chaitanya as Sri Ramakrishna's Divine Play. Beautiful section. We have already m- mentioned that, with, that after Ramkumar's death, the Master concentrated more intensely on the worship service of the Divine Mother. Whatever he considered necessary for attaining her vision, he performed with eagerness and wholehearted faith. We heard from the master that after the regular service was complete, he would continue his worship of her by singing devotional songs of Ramprasad and other mystics. His heart filled with emotion as he sang those songs of exuberant devotion. He thought, Ramprasad and others that had a vision of the Divine Mother. One can definitely see her. Why can't I? He would often exclaim piteously, Mother, you showed yourself to Ramprasad. Why won't you show yourself to me? I don't want wealth, friends and family, or objects of enjoyment. Please reveal yourself to me. Thus he would pray as tears streamed from his eyes and flooded his chest. This would somehow lighten the burden of his heart. Then prompted by burning faith and heartened with hope, he would again try to please the goddess with songs. Thus, the master spent his days in worship, meditation, devotional singing, and day by day his love and longing increased. From that point on, he began spending more time performing worship and serving the goddess, than was re- that was that was regularly allotted. While performing the worship, he sometimes placed a flower on his head according to the prescribed rule, and then he would meditate two hours, sitting still all, all as as a log. This part we do; it's called Dhyan mantra. We do. We recite the mantra describing maz- mazruba. You've seen probably the puja. put the flower and then you and you visualize uh, uh, the external worship. You do it first internally. That's called manasa puja during that flower. But he would do it, and we do it. We we try to do it. I'm not very good at visualizing things, right? You have to have a pure mind to visualize the goddess in proper form. Not easy. But he would. So we do it five minutes. Stops. People are waiting. Food has to. we <laughs> going long. you know. We think like this, right? But he would go two three hours. Right. So his puja, his regular ritual worship was not normal. After, after offering food to the goddess, he might spend a long time thinking that the mother was eating the food. On some mornings, he would spend several hours picking flowers, making garlands, and decorating the goddess. Or for a long period, he would remain engaged in performing the Vesper service with exuberant devotion. Sometime in the afternoon, he would sing for the Divine Mother and become so absorbed and overwhelmed with devotion that he would be unaware that the time for the arati service had passed, Although he was reminded again and again, no one could induce him to conduct the RIT service. Thus, the worship continued for some time. It is clear that the master's steadfast devotion and longing attracted the attention of others in the temple compound. People at first ridicule a person who leaves the u- people at first ridicule a person who leaves the usual path trod by the masses and does something new. That's a true statement. Right? The more that person moves forward steadfastly towards his goal, however, the more people's attitudes become transformed into reverence. This actually happened in the case of the Master's activities at the time. When he continued his novel method of worship, he became an object of derision for some people of the temple, but later others became very respectful towards him. It is said that when when he had observed the Master performing worship, Matur, he was the manager of the temple, joyfully told Rani Rasmini, We have got a wonderful priest. It seems the goddess will be awakened very soon. In spite of people's criticism, the master never deviated from his spiritual journey. As a river always flows towards the ocean, so from this, this point on, the master's mind continued to move towards the Divine Mother. As the days went by, the master's love and longing continued to increase. Because of his uninterrupted current of thought toward the Divine Mother, some external signs manifested in his body. His appetite and need for sleep diminished. As blood flowed continued to his chest and head, his chest turned crimson and his eyes were often drenched with tears. He constantly and intensely desired to see the Divine Mother and repeatedly asked himself, What shall I do? How can I see her? Signs of anxiety and restlessness were therefore always visible in his body, except when he was meditating and performing worship. We heard from the master that one day at the time at the time he was singing to the Divine Mother and praying and crying bitterly, he implored piteously, Mother, I have been praying to you for so long. Why don't you listen to me? You showed yourself to Ramprasad, why don't you show yourself to me? Interesting how much devotion and longing. Right, we sometimes also, Ma. I've been praying for so long, and still, you, I don't, I didn't get what I wanted. Right? I've done so many puja's, so much puja, something like this, and still, I, you didn't arrange fill in the blank. <laughs> it's interesting. I, when I read this, like well, I've also done that, but then I was, oh yeah. But show yourself to me. That's what he was praying for. I want to see you. Right? We we get up, we get upset that after so many prayers, years of praying, still things aren't going well. For whatever the, the job or the health or the relationship or whatever the situation we fill in. But, <laughs> interesting, it just caught my, caught my attention. You know, uh, Why won't you show yourself to me? The Master described what happened next. This is his first major samadhi. There was an unbearable pain, this is Sri Ramakrishna's words. There was an unbearable pain in my heart because I could not have the vision of Mother. Just as a man wrings out a towel with all his strength to get the water out of it, so I felt as if my heart were being wrung, dr- wrung out. I began to think, I should never see the mother. I was dying of despair. In my agony I asked myself, what is the use of living this life? Suddenly my eyes fell on the sword that hangs in the mother's shrine. Just like Ma holds a sword, there's a sword hanging there. Right, this is used, we use it to occasionally, a couple times a year to cut the head off a, a cucumber, right? <laughs> this is the bali, this is, a, the, bully. This is a, the sword used for sacrifice, right? It fell on her sword, hanging there. Right? I decided to end my life then and there. Like a madman, I ran to the sword and seized it. Then I had a marvelous vision of the mother and fell down unconscious. He was going to cut off his own head, end his own, or slice his throat with this knife. Then I had uh, a marvelous vision of the Mother and fell down unconscious. Afterward, what happened in the external world or how that day and the next passed, I don't know. But within me, there was a steady flow of undiluted bliss that I had never before experienced. And I felt the immediate presence of the Divine Mother. On another occasion, the Master narrated to us in detail the same wonderful vision. Takur says, it was as if the room, doors, temple, and everything else vanished altogether, as if there was nothing anywhere. And what I saw was an infinite shoreless ocean of light. The ocean, that ocean was consciousness. However far and whatever direction I looked, I saw shining waves, one after another, coming towards me to swallow me up. They were madly rushing towards me from all sides. It was a terrific noise. Very soon they were upon me, and they pushed me down into an unknown, into unknown depths. I panted and struggled and lost consciousness. Thus, the master told us that during his first vision, he saw a shining ocean of consciousness. But was this pure consciousness, the divine Mother Kali, bestowing boons and fearlessness? This is an interesting little question. We, many people, we read or have heard this vision described. Right, but he's but is this a vision of Kali, right? Because like he's asking this statue holding a sword and these poses, are you real, and and wanting to see her, he, he goes into a, a state of non-dual reality. But is that Kali, is the question Chardon is asking? He had a, he had maybe some nirvikalpa state, right? But was that the same as a vision of Kali? What he was what induced it. Did the master see her in that ocean of light? It seems that he did. We heard that when he partially regained consciousness after the first vision, he uttered plainfully, "Ma, ma." When this vision ended, an incident of an incessant and violent urge for a constant, uninterrupted vision of the divine mother's luminous form arose in the master's heart. Although this longing did not always manifest itself externally through signs such as weeping, it remained in his heart at all times. Sometimes it would increase to such a point that he could not contain it any more. Restlessly rolling on the ground with agony, he would pray, "Mother, be gracious to me. Reveal yourself to me." He would cry so bitterly that people would gather around him and watch. He was completely unconcerned about what people might say when he saw him, when they saw him in that condition. He later said. I scarcely realized the presence of people around me. They looked more like shadows or painted pictures and real objects. And so I did not feel any shame or embarrassment at all. Sometimes I would lose outer consciousness from, the, uh, from that unbearable agony. Immediately after that, I would see the mother's luminous form bestowing boons and fearlessness. That means these poses, right? I used to see her smiling, talking. Consoling or teaching me in various ways, so from this uh, experience of this non dual we can describe it like that, this infinite con- ocean of consciousness, right he it was that, that infinite ocean of consciousness was Kali right to him, it was no difference, right, and that same infinite ocean of consciousness also he saw in form as well as that formless reality also was teaching him instructing him blessing him talking to him right and this continued right all through his uh, period this was so this was actually his first we know of his childhood visions or ec- ecstasies but this is the first we consider like a major like the huge uh, accomplishment if you could say right but what was a sadhana he didn't have a guru yet right sri ramakrishna didn't was not doing uh, proper he wasn't doing sadhana in the normal way we're told to buy our guru to do such and such a sadhana so you can get this vision. Right? He didn't have such things. So what was the sadhana? It was simply longing. Right? So that therefore we when we hear Sri Ramakrishna later talking about the universality of religion, he says, if there's there's truth and mistakes in all religions. But if one has sincere longing, one will see him, one will see her. Right. So this universality of religion is that anybody who has longing for the divine will attain the divine. This is the essential, I uh, 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 can't make an absolute statement on Sri Ramakrishna. It seems to be one of the essential teachings of Sri Ramakrishna, right? that the way to God is longing for God. All the other practices have to be done with longing. right? And, if you, and whatever the practice is, if it's done with longing, whatever the path, whatever the religion, whatever the sadhana, if done through longing, you, you can attain the same absolute being. And no matter what the path, whatever the sadhana, whatever the tradition, if without longing, what, what's the value? Right? Uh, these things have no ultimate value. So, Sri Ramakrishna, so Sri Ramakrishna was born, we believe, at just at this juncture to save the soul of India, the heart of India, and thus change the tide of the world, right? And so at this point, Sri Ramakrishna had his major vision, but then the Divine Mother, he, he described it this way, she put desires in his heart, right? A desire to see how she was worshipped. He had found her by devotion, by longing. But he saw other people all over the world are worshipping God, right? He wanted to know whether or not she can be found through all these other paths, right? Uh, so, by his prayer, actually, the Divine Mother sent him various teachers who would initiate him. In uh, uh, in uh, uh, like uh, one of the important ones that came was uh, Bhairavi Brahmani, right? Tantric teacher, right? Expert in Vaishnava Tantra and shakta Tantra, right? And she went through step by step the sixty-four Tantras very difficult. Even one would be frightening to perform these sadhanas, right? What what to speak of success succeed at? But very quickly the sixty-four Tantras, incredibly in mind. Mind-bewildering practices. If we read even a few of these practices, we can only imagine. Uh, in very quickly, one after another, he succeeded. The goal of each one he accomplished. Right. And the goal of each one ultimately is the vision of the Divine Mother. But then the desire was okay. That's fine. All the different forms of, of worship of the Devi. Right. What about Vaishnava forms? What about the worship of Krishna? The worship of Ram? Right. And so teachers would come. Right, And taught him, initiated him to Ram uh, practices. Like one by one, the different teachers would come. Then, of course, then Tota Vedanta came, right. And so he 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 practiced and, and uh, through renunciation and meditation, Advaita of Advaita Vedanta. One by one, each one he experienced, right. But what was he experiencing? How did he say when he said, "Oh, they're all true," because they all lead to the same experience? It was his experience, the first experience he got from just by longing. That infinite ocean of consciousness, which he which showed her itself, herself as the Divine Mother Kali as Ma, also she saw shining at the at the goal of the, at the heart and goal of every religion, every practice, exposed to him, right. Including then he, he was initiated into uh, by Sufi into his Islam, right? We had visions of Jesus. We know all these different things are there in Sri Ramakrishna's life, right. So when he declared all religions are true. Right from his own experience, right. But how did he attain the the fruit of each religion? He didn't accept like, oh, he saw, he succeeded in 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 the goal of Christianity by by believing all religions are wrong and everyone's going to hell and everyone's a sinner. Not like that. His longing to see God in that tradition, he saw God. He found God in that tradition, and behind each one is still longing, his extreme devotion, longing, right. So. The point I'm trying to make, right, and what we're, we're, we're making, towards trying to understand—not the point we're trying to make, but the point we're trying to grasp—is to Sri Ramakrishna, that non-dual Brahman, which is known that, that reality, which is called Brahman in Vedanta and the Vedas, right? To him, that is the exact same thing as Ma, right? Kali is not some lesser deity or temporary deity, right? The product of illusion, like this. We can think like this. Kali is that supreme reality. Right. That's a morality To him, it was not, completely not different. Yeah. A few things here. It's a class more in Ramakrishna Vivekananda. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be today. <laughs> <laughs> Sri uh, Ramakrishna this is direct uh, some of his statements about this I think this section in the Katamritas says there is it the, the oneness of Vedanta and the Vedas and Tantra right something like that that little subsection I think right because this this view like the the worship of the is the goddess we're worshipping as shaktas right is that the same as the supreme brahman so Sri Ramakrishna's teaching to uh, K- Sen and other devotees Brahman and Shakti are non-different that's the main statement right? if you accept one you also have to accept the other it is like fire and its burning power if you accept fire you have to accept its burning power you can't think of fire without its burning power also without fire you can't think of its burning power without the sun you can't think of the sun's rays without the rays, sun's rays you can't think of the sun what is milk like? oh it's white Without milk, you can't think of milk's whiteness. Also, without milk's whiteness, you can't think of milk. So, you can't think of Shakti without Brahman. That that Brahman, that absolute, uh, nameless, formless reality, you can't even think of it unless you understand this world of name and form, of manifestation, right? The two go together. They're not different in Sri Ramakrishna's experience, right? You can't think of the lila without the Nitya. Nitya without the lila. These are, Sri Ramakrishna is using, this is, we know these terms, Nitya means the eternal, right? And lila means the play, right? But here in Sri Ramakrishna's dictionary, right? He has his own ways of using words, right? So this lila and Nitya is something. lila here means the, the, the relative and Nitya means the absolute. So the, the, the Nitya and the Leela are, 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 you can't have one without the other. Adya Shakti, that's a nice name, Adya Shakti, right? The primordial power, right? The original primordial first power. She is creating, preserving. I'm sorry, Adya Shakti is full of play. She is creating, preserving, and destroying. Her name indeed is Kali, right? Kali herself is Brahman, Brahman itself is Kali. This is, this is like this is this is not uh, uh, during Sri Ramakrishna. This is his full realization preaching to this to the most educated modern people of the time. Right? Keshab Sen, uh what is a uh, uh, uh Vijay Krishna Goswami, these are huge leaders of the time. These people would change go on to change history, right? Uh, uh was there? Just, mm-hmm. not there. He wasn't there at uh, on the boat. But these are the these are the ideas of Sri Ramakrishna. M, M was there of course, right? Kali M. bolds this. Kali herself is Brahman. Brahman itself is Kali. This is, and so, you know, I have to re-put this into our brain. They are the same thing. When she is inactive, not creating, preserving, destroying, or doing any work, when I think of just this idea, then I call her Brahman. When she's doing all this, then I say Kali. I say Shakti, the one and the same person. The name and form are different. It's, and then this is a classic story, uh, uh, example Sri Ramakrishna gives. It's just like Jal, water and pani. At one pond are three or four ghats. At one ghat, the Hindus drink water and say Jal. At, the, at one ghat, the Muslims drink water and say pani. And at one ghat, the English drink water and they say water. These three are one. The difference is only in name. Some are co- So that's a that's a classic... Uh, uh, one time, my friend Muhammad, he uh, 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 he went with one swami to visit a saint in Northern California. I forget the details, but uh, that Sadhu who took my friend Muhammad is an old uh, high school friend uh, who I knew in high school. And uh, uh, and kind of to prove a point, he said, "Oh, Ma- Mataji, this this boy, he doesn't he he thinks that that." That the different religions are worshiping different gods. he didn't actually think that, but the Swami was creating a little scene right it goes and, the, and that that saying goes, "Oh is it so he tells tells somebody go get me some go get jaw. somebody said, go get pani some go get water right, and they all bring glasses It was a little he was set up right, but it was right out of right out of this uh, uh story right, but this story is interesting because. Each one of them is, is they're they they they're three different people with totally different ideas and they're calling and they're and they're calling it totally different things, but they're getting the same thing. Right? So it's like that the, the names are different, but the essence is the same. Right? So so then he goes on, even more boldly. These three are one, the difference is only in name. Some are calling her Allah, some God, some are saying Brahman, some Kali. Some are saying Ram, Hari, Jesus, Durga. Right. So all these different names are all the same reality. Which he's talking and his topic is Kali. Right? Or Kali Brahman. right? <laughs> right. Keshib then asks, In how many ways is Kali plain? Please say once some words on that. So then, then Thakur starts revealing some different uh, esoteric tantric forms of Kali. I'll go through them. It's interesting because it's at Mal's feet to hear Thakur describing her as very nice. Sri Amakrishna smiling. Oh, she plays in various moods. She herself is Mahakali, Nityakali, Smashana Kali, Rakshakali, Shyamakali. Uh, there's mention of Mahakali and Nityakali in the Tantras. When there's not creation, There was no moon, sun, planets, nature, deep, dense darkness. Then only the formless mother was existing. Then there was only mother, formless Mahakali, existing with Mahakala. Shyamakali has a very soft mood, the grantor of Boons and fearlessness. That's the form installed in temples, Shyamakali. Householders, her worship happens in homes. During epidemic, a famine, an earthquake, a deluge, a drought, Rakshakali has to be worshipped. Smashankali is the image of destruction. She resides upon a cremation ground amidst the corpses, jackals, dakinis, and yoginis. Blood streaming and garland of heads around her neck, a girdle of countless human arms, and the millions is fastened around her waist. When the universe is destroyed, the great destruction happens. Then Mother gathers up and and keeps all the seeds of creation, just like a housewife has pot, of rags and scraps, and in that pot the housewife keeps five different types of things. Kishiv laughs. Oh yes, housewives have a type of pot. Inside are sieve, our sea foam, indigo pellets, little tied up bundles of cucumber seeds, pumpkin seeds, lao seeds. They keep all these and when they need them they take them out. After creation after creation's destruction, Mother Brahma Mai, that's a beautiful name. Ma, Brahma. Mai, right what, what is, how, how would be the official of Brahma Mai? Full of Brahman, right? Mm. <laughs> Mother is full of Brahman. Ma, Brahma Mai gathers up and keeps all the seeds that way. After creation, Adya Shakti then st- stays inside the universe. She brings forth the universe and also stays within the universe. It's in the Vedas, the idea of Uruna. you know that word? a spider and its web a spider brings forth the web from inside itself and also itself stays upon the same web god is both the container and the contained in the universe this is a beautiful thing sri krishna mentioned it many times a spider creates its web out of its own nature right and then it's the, then it then it creates a web and then what it does it stays in that web right this is the thing ma Creates the entire universe out of her own nature, and then she herself is in that universe. That is Guna Shrayi Guna Mayi Narayan Namastute. That's basically equivalent. She's everything, she's become every, she creates everything, and she is everything. Right? You know, she's created nature and she lives in nature. Right? So, yeah, one more paragraph here before. Is Kali black at a distance? Sorry, I'm, uh, uh, both got, uh, yeah, Is Kali black? At a distance, she certainly, she's certainly black. When you're able to know, she no, she's no longer black. The sky from a distance is blue-colored. You look up close, it doesn't have any color at all. The water in the ocean is blue from a distance. Go, go up close, pick it up in your palm and look. It has no color at all. Thane these words, drunk with divine love, Sri Ramakrishna started a song. Is my mother black? The form of time enclosed in space, she lights the lotus of the heart. This is tattooed on Samiji's arm. <laughs> he likes this song. Kala Rupi Digambari, that beautiful song. So I want to read this little second because it shows who Sri Ramakrishna meant by Kali. right? That the, when Sri Ramakrishna preached that all religions are true. And that the same God can be realized. Who is that God who can be realized? In his mind, it's Kali kali the christians call kali jesus the muslim call her allah these are huge things right it's not like like cuz usually the stance that we sometimes make in vedanta also in order to make these things a little more palatable perhaps right and less culturally specific we say oh the Brahm- we have this impersonal name brahman right beyond name and form that's the absolute to, and, and some call that Brahman impartially to so imperfect realizations, Kali and Durga and Jesus, all the person. That's not what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. Right? That supreme reality, that's Ma. Right? One of her one of her natures is unmanifest reality, other nature is manifest reality. Right? Kali and Brahman. Right. And that is known by all the different people, all the different faiths and all different times according to their understanding. But it's the same one, same person. That person is. Ma. <laughs> that's, that's the point, right? So now we come back, now we come to Samavivakanas. So Sri Ramakrishna, this is his message. right? And so if his realization, of course you can't say what Sri Ramakrishna's message is, I have to be careful, right? But if this this this, uh, uh, um, um, this yato ma tatopat, right? That all different paths, so many paths, so many ways. This was a gift for the Divine Mother in this age. This was Sri Ramakrishna's realization. Really we don't find there's statements in the Upanishads, there's there big, bigger-than-life statements about about uh, extreme, ecstatic visions of the universal being. But there's no real statements of universality of religion. That we don't find, right? Uh, at the time of Sri Ramakrishna, and since that time, every, all the different gurus and yogis are always saying, oh, different religions are true, they're all past leads to the same, right? People quote, oh, they say in, in the Rig Veda, there's a mantra, uh, uh, what is it, um, truth is one, but sage call it by different names, right? Since the, that, was, that was first spoken uh, maybe 7,000 years back by some Rishi. And since those 7,000 years, it was always understood to mean only one thing. That you can call it Vishnu, you can call it Narayana, you can call it Krishna or Hari. It didn't mean that you can call it Allah or you can call it Krishna right, or Shiva or Durga. Right. it was understood even that from a very specific place but Sri Ramakrishna by this realization he could see the universal principle behind even sectarian statements right. that, all, that truth is one sages called by many names now since that time everybody quotes that same month it is proof in the Vedas see all religions are true right. what does it mean all religions are true the Divine Mother can be it shines in the hearts of each one of them in different ways right. and if one is sincere sincere longing for her Right from our understanding, we can attain her. Not that the teachings of different, you know, uh, one 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 told us that re, that religion uh, uh, idiocy is not the exclusive right of any possession of any one religion. There's a lot of stupid things in all religions, right, including Hinduism, like this, right? That, but that's not the point. It's not that all not not every stupid thing and ridiculous thing religions teach is true. Is that the heart of every religion? There is divinity, and the heart's longing for that divinity is what's required to attain it. This is, if you were to dangerously try to, try to simplify Sri Ramakrishna's teachings, which I shall dangerously try to do, I could say that's a, a major teaching, right? And so that's something that's never been said before, right? Now it's said all the time. That's the point. And this is the effect of Vivekananda's preaching, right? But it was never said before in that in bold way. Right, it's a huge shift, and so this is, from my understanding, this is Kali's gift to this age, right? This is Sri avatar avatarhood—the thing he came to, to destroy, especially many things, but especially this type of sectarian and religious uh, limitation, right? But this universal, this universal principle behind all religions—that principle in Sri Ramakrishna's language is that Kali is the source of everything; she shines in all religions, and those who worship her can find, want her, can find her, right? But when Swamibhakunda came, he had to preach. He had, he couldn't quite say it like that, right? Especially at that time in Victorian America, right? So he described it rather. He said Kali and Bra, said, Kali and Brahman are the same, right? So if you say Kali, it's okay. If you say Brahman, it's okay. The same reality is being spoken of. So Swamibhakunda, Swami he spoke on Brahman, not on Kali, generally, right? But we know his own guru taught him and taught him that Kali and Brahman are the same thing, right? Right. That's an important point. So so, uh, so, so well, Sri Ramak- Vivekananda didn't talk about Kali. When he talked he talked continuously about Brahman, and to to his understanding his Guru's understanding Brahman and Kali are the same. Right. You have to understand this because the talk is on the topic is Vivekananda on Kali. It's hard to find Vivekananda on Kali, but there's a lot you can say about Brahman. Right. 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 So Sri Vivekananda, when he he was influenced, like most of the youth by the Brahma Samaj. He joined the Brahma Samaj right, and like all members of the Brahma Samaj, they had to sign a document that that, that would, they vowed never to bow to any god or goddess, any image right? that was their thing right if they came if they came here they wouldn't they couldn't you couldn 't bow here without breaking your vow right to join you had to do this vow because they were trying to shake stop the superstitious from the mind, superstition from the minds of the Hindus right right to awaken real Hinduism this is the, the idea right. And so, uh, 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 so how could Swamiji, you know, it's like, and Sri Ramakrishna, right, he only ma, 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 talking about ma, praying to ma, glorifying her. Says what, mother? What do you want me to say? Okay, I'll tell him. Right? Somebody even, you know, <laughs> you know, how could somebody who who didn't believe? us all just this. These gods and goddesses are all fictitious stories. These images are the thing that's weakening, weakening our cult. Our bowing, our habit of constantly bowing to images, allowing to bow to the British, right? and Accept uh, subjugation. He makes statements like this: "Is ten thousand years of groveling in front of statues has made us easy prey to anybody who comes in and controls us." Right? He would he would talk boldly like this. He was so fed up with these things, you know. Uh, uh, so how is he going to accept Sri Ramakrishna's teachings? Right? And Sri Ramakrishna knew that he was brought to earth to spread Sri Ramakrishna's teachings. Right? Sri Ramakrishna's <laughs> message of universality was Kali's uh, revelation to him, Mother Kali's revelation, and his own disciple, nothing to do with Kali, and all these things, all this, this emotional ex- exaggeration. And, 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 and so one time Sri Ramakrishna says, like, what... Um, why don't you listen? Why don't you listen to me, right? I don't come to listen to you. He said, "I come to see you. I love you, so I come to spend time with you. I don't believe anything you say." <laughs> this is the perfect disciple, actually, right? Right. So there's one he in a little thing. He's Ramakrishna, Swami, uh, Swami Vivekananda. This is revealed in conversations with Sister Nivedita. Nivedita, uh, um, in private conversation, she pieced it together some things that he said, told her about Kali. He says, oh, how I how I used to hate Kali. So, so the, the message, the messenger of the, the person who was brought to earth to spread Kali's message of universality, this Catholic huge view of divinity, right? Uh, uh, his during this time of his training, oh I used to hate how I hated Kali in all of her ways. <laughs> right? That was the ground of my six year fight. Right, six years he fought with Sri Ramakrishna on this point, right, struggling, right? That that was the cause that I wouldn't accept her. He wouldn't accept. I loved him, you see, meaning Ramakrishna. And that was what held me. I saw his marvelous purity. And I felt his wondrous love. His greatness had not yet dawned on me then. All that came afterward when I had given in. At that time I thought him a brain-sick baby. Always seeing visions and the rest. I hated it. Right you can love somebody the most wonderful he's a, so loving, so pure, I love him like anything, right, but all these visions and ecstasies it just it's some derangement of the brain, right. He used to think like this, right and he used to tell him that, right and then Sri Ramakrishna would get scared because he trusted Sam Vivekananda he had such huge faith in him. then he'd run back to the temples. his mother, uh, Psalm, uh, Naren says that I've gone crazy and you're not real. And then she'd appear at the vision. Don't worry. He thinks like that. He'll change, <laughs> right? And he'd go back. No, mother told me not to believe what you say. You are rascal. rascal, get out of here! I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to listen to you anymore, right? So even if the mother was telling him. Of course, that just reinforced the the, the brain sick quality, right? And so now the statues are telling him not to listen to me. So this was a huge struggle, right? But so how can he? So without accepting Kali, how can he be uh, Kali's messenger? To the world, to the West, to the whole world, right? India, right? So, page four. So there has to be like most big things in life; they happen with a crisis, right? And the, and Samajee's crisis, uh, the young man was that his father died. So he grew up in a very rich man's house. His father was a doctor an attorney. The I forget lawyer. Lawyer, he was a yeah, lawyer and advocate. advocate yes. Saji was also studying law in the early days that's what he was studying so but his father died and he had not made although a very rich man, a very educated man, very generous man, he did not make arrangements properly for dying, meaning like with his debtors and wills and like that and, and the family was reduced to extreme poverty right and Saji no matter what he did, he couldn't get a job although qualified smart educated. Intelligent, but he really was struggling and uh, and tremendous struggle, I mean the, the descriptions and the and the a- internal anguish that he went through during this time in his own words you can read really something so.
1: You find here.
0: It occurred to me, Samaji says later, that God grants the master's prayers. So I asked him to pray on my behalf that my family's financial crisis would be overcome. I was sure that he wouldn't refuse for my sake. I rushed to Dakshinishwar and and, and importuned him saying sir you must speak to the divine mother so that my family's financial problems can be solved right you you pray to that goddess to ma right he he doesn't know like but but he says you have to you have to you pray because he believed that that you know in this moment he says ma always the God always answers takwa's prayers the master replied I can't make such demands why don't you go and ask the mother yourself? You don't, you don't accept the mother. That's why you have all these troubles. <laughs> right, another, she says. I replied, I don't know the mother. Hmm. Right. That's a beautiful line. He says, I don't, I don't accept it because I don't know her. Right. Because what is knowing? We believe, we call other, but to actually know is something, you know. Please tell the mother for me. You have to. I won't let you go. The Master said affectionately, My boy, I have prayed many times to the Mother to remove your suffering. But she doesn't listen to my prayers because you don't care for her. (laughs) (laughs) All right, today is Tuesday, a day especially sacred to the the Mother. Go to the temple tonight and pray. Mother will grant whatever you ask for. I promise you that. My Mother is the embodiment of pure consciousness, the power of Brahman. And And she has produced this universe by mere will. What can she not do, if she wishes? When the Master said that, I was fully convinced that all my suffering would cease as soon as I prayed to her. I waited impatiently for night. At 9 p.m., the Master told me to go to the temple. On my way, I was, I was possessed by a kind of drunkenness and began to stagger. I firmly believed that I would see the mother and hear her voice. I forgot everything else and became absorbed in that thought alone. When I entered the temple... I saw that the mother was actually conscious and living, the fountainhead of infinite love and beauty. Overwhelmed with love and devotion, I bowed down to her again and again, praying, Ma, grant me dispassion, grant me detachment, grant me divine knowledge and devotion. Grant that I may see you without obstruction always. These were his prayers. These are very important. right? Grant me discrimination. We even know Swami Chaitanya always says, or it's like, Vivek Dao, Bhakti Dao. He's like that. The, the words are known, right? Discrimination, grant me detachment, Baragya Dao, baragdao. grant me divine knowledge and devotion, and grant that I may see without obstruction, uninterrupted vision. My heart was filled with peace. The universe disappeared from my mind, and the mother alone occupied it completely. As soon as I returned to the master, he asked, Hello. Did you pray to the mother to relieve your family's needs? I was taken aback and replied, No, sir, I forgot. What shall I do now? He said, Go. Go go again and say this, that prayer. Again I went to the temple, but when I stood before the mother, I was again overwhelmed and forgot my intention. I repeatedly bowed down to her and prayed for knowledge and devotion. When I returned to the master, he smiled and asked, Well, have you prayed for your needs this time? Starlet said, No, sir, I couldn't. As soon as I saw the mother, I was overwhelmed by the divine power and forgot everything. I asked only for knowledge and devotion. What's to be done now?" The master said, "Silly boy, couldn't you control yourself a little and remember your prayer? Go back again and tell the mother what you want. Be quick." I went a third time, but as soon as I entered the temple, I felt a, a sense of deep shame. I thought, "What a trifling thing I am praying. I am asking for the mother." As a master says it's like being graciously received by a king and then asking for gourds and pumpkins. <laughs> it's that isn't isn't that kind it's that kind of stupidity. I am so small am I so small-minded in shame and remorse. I bowed down to her again and again and said, "Mother, I want nothing but knowledge and devotion." When I came out of the temple I thought that the master must have played a trick on me i go to. I'd gone to the master and insisted. It it was certainly you who made me intoxicated and forgetful. Now you must at least say a prayer that my mother and brother will never lack for food and clothing. He said, "My child, you know I can never offer a prayer like that for anyone. The words wouldn't leave my mouth." I told you that you'd go, that you'd get whatever you asked mother for, but you couldn't do that either. But you couldn't do that either. You aren't destined to have worldly happiness. isn't somebody telling that—a good message for a monk, but not—he wasn't the swami yet. You know, <laughs> he was just trying to find a work and, and help his family. You know, you weren't destined to have worldly happiness. What am I to do about it? I said firmly, "No, sir, I won't let you go. You must say the prayer for my sake. I am s- certain my family will be freed." From want if only you say they will, thus I went on imploring him until at last he said, All right, they will never lack for plain food and clothing. Actually, many people believe, and this is our kind of experience, that this is a universal blessing, right? Uh, 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 uh. Amongst the devotees of Sri Krishna, not everyone is rich and powerful and all those big things, right? But generally. Minimum uh, simple food and clothing are there. You don't, in in uh, devotee families that worship Sri Ramakrishna, Holy Mother, and generally in India, you see that they may be poor, but the basic needs are covered. Right? Uh, uh, there's, of course, there's rich people and powerful people that are devotees, but the general people believe, that they've seen that this has been a universal blessing. This is a, a boon granted to all of Ramakrishna's devotees. That simple, uh, uh, clothes and food will always be available. I've also seen that for the most for the most part. I don't think I can think of any clear exception actually uh, in my mind in all these years. This uh, this acceptance of God was form was of course a most significant event in Narendra's life. Until then, he had not understood the hidden meaning behind worshiping God as mother or the mean of using symbols and images previously he had disregarded he had disregarded the images of gods and goddesses and he had never visited their temples with love and respect from now on his heart saw clearly the true mystery of this worship and his spiritual life became more full and expansive this made the master jubilant by kuntanath a friend of ours visited dakshinishwar the day after this incident we, have, we shall now present his eyewitness account and give the reader, to give the reader a complete picture. I became acquainted with a person named Chajendra Ghosh who worked with me in the same office, said Vaikuntha. Uh, Tarapada, who, who was a close friend of Narendra, Swami Vivekananda, I'd seen Narendra with Tarapada a few times in our office. Tarapada told me that Sri Ramakrishna was very fond of Narendra. However, I never tried to get acquainted with him. On that day, I went to Dakshinishwar at noon. The master was seated alone in his room, and Narendra was sleeping on the veranda outside. The master was beaming with joy. As soon as I bowed down to him, he pointed to Narendra and said, Look at that boy. That boy is very good. His name is Narendra. He wouldn't accept the Divine Mother before, but last night he did. He was in need of money, so I advised him to ask the mother for it. But he couldn't. He couldn't. He said he felt ashamed When he came back from the temple, he asked me to teach him a song and praise it the Mother, so I taught him. Mother, thou art a sole redeemer. One song, is there? And he sang it all night long. That's why he's sleeping now. And then the master smiled with joy and said, Narendra has accepted Mother Kali. That's very good, isn't it? <laughs> Seeing that he was very, as happy as a child about this, I answered, yes sir, it is very good. A little later he smiled and again, Narendra has accepted the mother. <laughs> it's very good. What do you say? He kept smiling and saying that over and over again. When Narendra woke up at 4 p.m., he came and sat near the master, appearing about, appearing about to take leave of him and return to Calcutta. But the master went into ecstasy and moved closer to Narendra. He said, "What I see is that in that I'm sorry. What I see is that I'm this body, his own body, and that body, Narendra's body, also." It's true. I see no difference. If you lay a stick on the surface of the Ganga, the water seems to be divided into two parts. But it's really one, all one. There's no division. The same thing is true here. Can you understand that? What else exists but mother? Isn't that true? Then he said suddenly, I'll smoke. I haste to prepare the water pipe and the Hubble bubble. And gave it to him. After taking a few puffs, puffs, he said, "No, I'll smoke straight from the first from the bowl." Then he took tobacco bowl in both hands. He puffed again, and held it to Narendra's mouth, and said, "Take a puff or two from my hands." Narendra hesitated. The master said, "What ignorance! Are you and I different? This is because this is from the same. There is a thing of uh, uh, purity and impurity, right? That uh, from the same hand that you could make it on." on once again, we don't, our culture its not that that's, that's sensitive to these things, but in Ramakrishna's world, it was a sign of great disrespect to let, to like, to take on your lips and then let your guru touch it. It would be inconceivable. But this was something he, he's showing that I don't see any difference between us. But what made him not see difference between us? Him accepting Kali. This is a huge change in their relationship. Saying this, he put his hands to Narendra's mouth and forced him to smoke narendra took a couple of puffs and then stopped seeing that he had stopped the master was about to start smoking again when narendra said quickly sir wash your hands before you smoke but the master wouldn't do so you wretch he told narendra you're too conscious of differences then he continued to smoke through his hands although narendra's lips had touched them he uttered many spiritual truths from his state of ecstasy normally the master couldn't partake of anything that had been tasted by another to him it was like refuse refuse I was amazed when I saw him behave this way with Narendra that day and realized the closeness between them. It goes on a little bit. But this is a, a huge, this is a huge shift in Swami Vivekananda. Now he accepted Kali. Because without accepting Kali, how can he spread Sri Ramakrishna's message, which came from Kali? That's the, the main point, right? Uh So one point when Sri Krishna was, when Sri was um, um, uh, 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 in Kashipur at the end of his life during the, the final sickness, his final illness, Swami Vivekananda asked him, I want Samadhi. I want this, the, the state mentioned by the yogis as Nirvakapa Samadhi, I want to experience as it possible. And so, so he says, You yeah, wait, Your mother will give you everything. Don't worry, right? And so that, that, when, that night, Sri Ramakrishna was sleeping and Narendra was meditating in his room, right? And it so happened his mind went into the non dual state. He was in an ecstatic state, lost his body consciousness. Like it lasted for some time. When he came back, and back into his body, into to external awareness, he went to Sri Ramakrishna, who at that point was sitting up in his bed. And Sri Ramakrishna said, Oh, now the mother has shown you everything. But this revelation will remain under lock and key. Right? And I will keep the key. Right? So, <laughs> so it's like, the mother has shown you, that's a big thing. A mother, also, it's another important point in all this discussion, that the non-dual realization isn't beyond Kali. It's one of the things Kali gives you. Right? So Mother has given you the non-dual, this non-dual samadhi. And, uh, uh, but the re- this revelation remained in the and key, and I will keep the key. When you have accomplished the Mother's work, you will find the treasure again. So this is a big thing. So now, so what do we find? So Vivekananda engaging in a very short amount of time, tremendous work in his life. He lived a short life, but inconceivable what he accomplished, if you really think about it like now we have we have like Swami Chaitanya mentioned even like the actual time from when Swam, when, when Sri Ramakrishna passed to when Swami Vivekananda passed it wasn't very long right what was it? 1886 to 1902 I think. so what is that? <laughs> 16, years, 16 years right so his public life or at least uh, when he started like in, he came to America in 18 and uh, ni- so and from that to his death how many years 92 octaves, 10. 10 years so ten, nine, ten years right of that about seven of them were spent sick between 5 and 7 years so really 3 or 4 years was actually his public work right in that if you think what that you have nine like you, you can get the complete works of Vivekananda on the nine volumes no, 10 10 volumes 10 volumes have come out now right in it most of them are spoken lectures Right, none of which he prepared. Right, These are impromptu. Only one or two things that he actually read, at the car into religion, he, everybody was reading papers, and he realized he didn't write a paper. So he gave up and spoke, and then, but one day he prepared, actually. it's a genius, one of the most brilliant descriptions of Hinduism, called Hinduism. He I mean, actually read a paper. He spent the night writing a paper, and he read his, cause that's what everybody, he didn't know that's what he was supposed to do at Parliament, <laughs> you know, he was supposed to pre- present the paper. <laughs> so most of the time, most of the talks at the Parliament, are all the time he spoke impromptu, it's so not even notes usually. Right? And he never repeats himself in nine volumes for the most part he's saying he's continuously not repeating himself all new ideas right so and, and that's in about three years of actual public expression right you know but if you give it the full years, it's within ten years all this all the thing that we kind of a a common word isn't in ten years right so this is the mother's this tremendous so this his his worldwide preaching and the influence he's had on the world including india is and Sri Ramakrishna's words, mother's work. Right? So when we get the Ka- and who we, and by mother, we know it means Kali. Right? And by Kali, we know that's Brahman, the one who shines behind all religions and the hearts of every, every being, like this, right? Right. So he also realized by this statement that this non-dual realization is the gift of divine mother, also, and he had to do his work. So the question then comes: Well, did, Swamiji didn't really speak about Kali. There's no—he didn't mention in a single public talk, as far as I know, right? He didn't—he didn't—he didn't write about it, right? He uh, wrote write about her. He didn't instruct people in Kali puja. He didn't build Kali temples, right? You know, and actually, one uh, uh, um, uh, Mary Hale, one of his well-wisher well-wisher disciples. Miss Mary Hill, she, she asked about Kali because he knew. I mean, oh, you know, he's in, he was a Kali worshiper, he was a Kali bhakta. But so, why don't you explain? So, this is a very interesting letter, and this letter is used not always appropriately in the Ramakrishna Vivekananda tradition. I read it, it's a, it's a controversial letter, but it shows his mind at the time. Kali worship is not a necessary step in any religion, Tamaji wrote. The Upanishads teach all, us all there is to religion. Kali worship is my special fad. That's what he does, right? You never heard me preach it or read of me preaching it in India. I only preach what is good for universal humanity. If there is any curious method which applies entirely to me, I keep it a secret, and there it ends. I must not explain it to you what Kali worship is, and I never taught it to anybody. This is in 1900, right? So he's not. So what he? But what he? Ta- this. This. The, what is it? This. Uh, what is good for universal humanity? He used the the voice of the Upanishads, right, about the Nandu Brahman, right? But we know Nandu Brahman, Kali is Brahman, Brahman is Kali. In his mind, there is no difference, but he had to present it. And if he comes to America and he says, first, you need to know, you need to establish a Ghatam. Right, and you have to do proper, You have to sit properly, and do proper. You have to initiate into Shakti Mantra and do Nyasa and Bhuta Shuti, awaken Kundalini, and do Pranayama and install an image, and you know the complicated method of of Kali worship, the the, the form of Kali worship. That's not the universal message of that, that he had to preach, right? He had to what's good for universal humanity is the truth behind all religions, right? And also a way of preaching, a way of teaching that could withstand the, that was appropriate for the day. Right? Just, like Swami, just like Sri Ramakrishna was born a type of when western materialism was taking over Swami Vivekanna came to America when western science was taking over right? the religions were collab- people were losing their faith in religion due to the scientific method the, f- the philosophies of Darwin you know uh, these, the, 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 new, the, new, the new science had come right and so samaji held a, a, a way of thinking of religion that could stand the test of science that could stand the test of reason like wasn't belief based, so he had to teach that universal principles, right? Without going to specific like this, right? Right. He said, "So actually uh, uh, a adjust." I typed that out, right? This is my, my quote, and then I remembered. Oh, Usha mentioned something, and I asked her, I was "Like, what's that thing?" And she, and she showed it to me, and I printed that out. Right. That was in 1900, but at at uh, at the um one of the great uh, literatures we have is inspired talks by Swami Vivekananda right and the inspired talks was given in 19, 1895 so five years later right after that and in a mood he says he's, this is his, his, his impromptu statement to his a group of small, small group of disciples at present time God should be worshipped as mother the infinite energy Right, so so like he's beyond these teachings, broad teachings of Vedanta, now it's like but actually in this age, at present time, in the West, God should be worshipped as mother. Right? This will lead to purity and tremendous energy will come here in America. Right? This is the big sake. So actually his own statements in the, in the West in America, the mother should be worshipped. This will bring strength, this will gain power. Right. Then he goes. He says, "Here, no temples way up down. No one suffers. No one suffers as they do in poorer countries." Then he actually, especially mentioned because part of this is also Sri Ramavijaya's big big point is not only the worship of mother, but also the 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 freedom of women in a different way than people usually think. Right? So he says, "Woman has suffered for aeons, and that has given her infinite patience and infinite, infinite perseverance. She holds on to an idea." It is this which makes her the support of even superstitious religions and of priests in every land, and is in this that will free her. We have come, we have to become Vedantists and live this grand thought. The masses will get it, and only, and only in free America can this be done. In India these ideas were brought out by individuals like Buddha, Shankar, and others, but the masses did not retain them. The new cycle must see the the new cycle must see the masses living Vedanta, and this will come through women. It's another sta- big statement. He saw the new rise of mother worship, right? As, as, as practical Vedanta, living Vedanta, the the universal, catholic, huge idea of divinity, of the, the, not just not just a small sectarian idea of 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 of, 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 a, of a religious deity, but the infinite conscious, the infinite being, which is Kali, right? Brought out in this, in this age, right? And then Swamiji goes and sings a Shama Sangeet, right, in front of his disciples, a, a hymn to Divine Mother. Keep the beloved, mother, beautiful mother in, in the heart, in your hearts, in your heart of hearts with all care. Throw out everything but the tongue. Keep, keep that to say, Mother, Ma, Ma. Let no evil counselors enter. Let you and me, my heart alone, see Ma. Thou art beyond all that lives. My my moon of my moon of life my soul of souls and he starts singing, uh, classic Shama Sangita to Divine Mother. So, so so amongst his own so he didn't preach it openly but he did he only preached Master Divine Mother. So he he said he but amongst his, to his disciples he did say certain things he did teach about Kali but not publicly. So we'll see a few things taken from his teachings on Kali. You see, he once said, I cannot but believe that there is somewhere a great power that thinks of herself as feminine and is called Kali and Mother. Upon um parts of it are taken from my article, so Mother is the first manifestation of power and is considered a higher ideal than father. With the name of mother comes the idea of Shakti, divine energy and omnipotence. Just as the baby believes its mother to be all powerful, able to do anything. The Divine Mother is the Kundalini, sleeping in us. Without worshiping her, we can never know ourselves. All merciful, all powerful, omnipresent are attributes of the Divine Mother. She is the sum total of the energy of the in the universe. Every manifestation of power in this universe is mother. She is life, she is intelligence, she is love. She is a universe yet separate from it. She is a person and she can be seen and known as Sri Ramakrishna saw and knew her. Establishing the idea of mother, we can do anything. She quickly answers prayers. She can show herself in any form at any moment. Divine Mother can have a form and name, not rupa and nama, or a name without form and as we worship her in these various aspects we rise to pure being having neither form nor name so these are you know the classic tantric vedantic kind of understandings of the of kali and then this this mood of of worshiping you see from we should not mention her i'm not going to teach talk about her i'm not going to tell you anything about her <laughs> to we must worship uh, mo- uh, mother in, in the West, right? America must worship, the women of America must spread mother worship, their the practice mother worship. That's a huge shift in a certain sense, right? And then he went back to, he went to Kashmir with uh, some, a group of his disciples. And there in Kashmir, he had, uh, uh, I think in Shirbhavani, no? Shirbhavani temple. Was it a dream? No, I think A vision here? Uh,
1: that's where uh, the temple was.
0: Yes yeah, so th- I'm trying to remember that the, 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 that temple was destroyed by muslim invaders in and 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 he was thinking that if I was alive I would have I would have defeated them I would not have let this temple be destroyed I would have fought them right and that I don't remember if it was a dream or a vision or, or a voice where he heard the divine mother saying who protects whom right this is a major thing right like you protect me or I protect you <laughs> right <laughs> Right, she, 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 the one who's, whose form we just described, she can protect her temple if she wants. Right, she doesn't need us to protect. So that, And so some not full details are given of his vision. He had a major vision, Amunat, uh, of Shiva, and he got a special boon, and then a special vision here of the Divine Mother. But when he came back, I didn't write this down, but I remember you found these beautiful scenes in that one book, uh, uh, where he came back and, and uh, he was extremely inspired. And his disciples are on the houseboat in Dol Do- Lake, Do- Lake, I think it's called, right? And he began worshipping the heads, putting flowers on the heads of all his disciples and worshipping them. Right? One of the things... Uh, uh, after many nights of intense sadhana, Kshir Bhavani had a vision of the mother returning to the houseboat... That he and his companions were renting, he raised his hands in benediction and placed the marigolds that he had offered to the goddess on the heads of all the disciples, saying, "No more Hariom, It's all ma- mother now, and I'm only a little child." Hariyom right? Hariom means Vedanta, right? Hariom is a Vedanta Hariom. That's what that's, we When I'm in like in Allahabad, amongst the yogis, you know, Hariom, this is Hariom, Hariom, Samaji <laughs> Hariom, right? But here, he says, "No more Hariom." Right now, now it's mom. It's all mom. i simply a child. So the shift happened towards the end of his life, you know. And there he wrote his famous poem, "Kali the Mother." That night he wrote. Maybe you can. I'm. A, you're better at reading poetry than I am. Can you read this? <laughs> I'm very bad at reading poetry. and It's such a beautiful. It's a very dramatic poem, "Asam Canada. Okay, I'm not sure. It catch was the uh, microphone captures. The
1: stars are blotted out, the clouds are covering clouds. It is darkness, vibrant, sonant. In the roaring, whirling wind are the souls of a million lunatics, just loose from the prison house, wrenching trees by the roots, sweeping all from the path. The sea has joined the fray and swirls up mountain waves to reach the pitchy sky. The flash of lurid light. Reveals on every side a thousand thousand shades of death begrimed and black, scattering plagues and sorrows, dancing mad with joy, come, mother, come, for terror is thy name, death is thy breath, and every shaking step destroys a world forever. Thou time, the all destroyer, come, O oh mother, come, who dares misery love, and hug the form of death. Dance in destruction's dance, to him the mother comes.
0: Also, the form, it's not like something we think of oh, the Divine Mother and child, loving, embrace, you know. It's not just the general mother, he specifically, his vision in his poem is about this, this, uh, this, this an entire, the entire, the Kali as a destroyer, creator, and destroyer of everything, right? Uh, the souls of a thousand lunatics them in asylum. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that—the the, the, the storm of creation and destruction. You know, so who knows? You can only guess by the poem that he chose to write that night, or that he wrote and chose or that he wrote that night, right? What vision he had at Kirtibhavani that that had this overwhelming thing, right, the experience. And we know that around this time in India, in America, he also had a few in London. And at this time, he was beginning to go into Samadhi again. So that means that that his work was coming to an end, right? Katakura said, "I'll hold the keys when you finish Mother's work, and the Mother's work is spreading this universal message, this Catholic message of universality." Right? Swami Ramak- Vivekananda said, "The future, you say, will call Ramakrishna Paramahansa an incarnation of Kali." Yes, I think there's no doubt that she worked up the body of Ramakrishna her own ends. Right. In other words that not only that, that, that she worked she worked to Sri Ramakrishna for her goal. Right. She had a purpose behind it. Right. And we know that some Sri Ramakrishna then worked the body of Vivekananda, right, for a particular end. By saying this he's also saying that Kali's work doing and he would say he would say to his disciples, I'm only doing mother's work. He'd use that term. It's felt like this. So then uh 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 One last thing I'm going to read. Final thing. My favorite my one of my favorite paragraphs in this thousand page book. Let me find it. So Sri Ramakrishna would say he he said towards the end of his life that certain things about himself that seemed hard to understand because he was not an egotistical person and not starred in a new cult. Dude not start a, a personality cult, but he'd say those whose their final birth, they will come here, meaning him and his ideas, or he would say those who come here, this will be that this will that they will not be born again, right? And so the disciples were thinking how to understand this, right? What does it mean to like those who accept me or those who follow me will not? This will be their final birth. But he would not speak like that. He wasn't like Jesus saying, there, "You know, it's like no one comes to the Father but through me." These type of statements couldn't come out of his mouth. He had no ego, right? So Shardananda, author of this book, is saying that by this place and here means this the universal teachings, this Catholic idea, these broad teachings of of of, 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 of this of of so many paths, so many ways, right? This uh, uh, this really. Re- this realization that the that Divine Mother gave him. Right. One who is living his last birth will come here. A person who has sincerely called on God even once will definitely come here. So what does here mean? That's Sharananda's asking. If we take the word here to mean the Master's new and liberal doctrine, then the statement will not seem unreasonable and, and objectionable to others. Right, those who accept this new, this this grand view of reality, the Divine Mother shining, right, uh, universality, will, will, this will be, or those who have even called on God once sincerely, they will come here, right. Will people come on their own to accept the Divine Mother's liberal message as many face so many paths? Right, so this is what's spreading. Not everybody in America, 70% of Christians also believe this, right, right. Or will they accept it through the person who became the instrument of the mother and brought this message to the world? Do they accept just the message or do they accept Ramakrishna, the giver of the message? Actually, the giver and the gift are not separate. That's the thing. The answer to this question, as we understand it, must be determined by the questioner after seeing the results of the full realization of this doctrine either within themselves or others. Until that realization dawns, silence is the best answer. But if the reader asks what we believe, right? Because he's somebody who's done just that. Chardonanda <laughs> made a big statement: "I have not written anything I haven't realized in this book." So it's a big—he's now in his own realization. If you ask what we believe, we say that along with the along with an authentic experience of this liberal attitude, this message of the Divine Mother. One must have a vision of that person whom the Divine Mother, Kali, for the first time sent to embody that doctrine for the good of the world. It means Sri ramakrishna And one must pour out heartfelt love and respect for him who is free from ego and delusion. The Master will not demand this. No one else will prompt it. Love for the Divine Mother will drive one to do it spontaneously. Here we end this topic. So here we end this talk. <laughs> so uh, uh, Sri Aurobindo's uh, 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 Swamiji did mother's work tremendously in India, tremendously in the West. But this work is not yet complete. Right? I think this the, the, this uh, 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 we all Sri Ramakrishna's call is universal, right? And 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 his message. Actually, if you were to summarize. Okay. Careful to summarize. If you were to summarize, uh, 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 like a universal message of Sri Ramakrishna about Kali, and he he said many times, he says if if you simply call to her like a child, right, the, that God which everyone's trying to find, I know is just think of that as your own mother. He says he's not your stepmother, right. <laughs> he says your actual mother, right. More your mother. So you have to think of it like that intimacy right exactly that's in one sense many people hold that this is the real great the big oh, the universal message all truth of our religion that's all nice but the real uh, message is the gift of sri Ramakrishna is this incredibly infinite intimate relationship we can have with the divine she's your own mother right you simply call to her like your own mother right and then you'll see her and if you see her he says, all the cravings for this world, all attachment to the body, everything just disappears. You become pure, right? Because a child is always, a child is pure, right? And so our real position is the small children calling out to the to the mother. This is, it's very uh, a little nervous to take the the, the big bold message of Vivekananda and reduce it to call out like a child to its mother. <laughs> but this is my uh, sincere uh, conclusion after. Many years of analysis. Jaya <laughs> Ma, thank you for your kind attention. Jai Ma, Jai Takwa, Jai Swamiji. Hari Tatsat.